This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. All right, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Fans on the Run. Okay, for the past few episodes, I've been alternating between how many welcomes I say. One time I said five. One time I said seven. That was, those two were mistakes, and you can hear it in the interview, because it just doomed it. So I, I think I've settled on four today, so that might, that might counterbalance, you know, what's about to happen. So, this is the first episode I've recorded going into knowing it will be a two-parter, so what you're listening to right now will be part one of a two-part episode. And now it's time for some introduction. He is the host of a fantastic Paul McCartney podcast out of uh, England, out of Birmingham, uh, called Paul or Nothing. It, it's a great show. I I don't even know what to add. Sam Wiles, welcome to the show. Hey there, Ethan. Glad to finally be here on your show. I've been going through your whole back catalogue recently, and I mean, I'm just glad to be part of this awesome podcasting project you've got going on here. Zeringo would say, I'm just happy to be here. I do the drums, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've always liked podcasts that people start because they would want to listen to those shows. Yeah. So you've definitely plugged a gap in the people in the podcasting world. I you you hit the nail on the head. I think I've said it about like seven times throughout the show. I, I only started it because I wanted to hear it. So how are you doing in these weird, weird times? My gosh, I think that's the first time someone's asked me that during, during all of these. I've, I've, I've been basically spending my whole time just not being at work, being paid to do so, and recording as many podcasts as possible before I've gone back to work. Um, I've gone back to my COVID-ridden pub now, so, you know, as I as I say to all, to all of my fans, if you don't want me to go back, you can always check out my uh, Patreon, but that's, that's the hustle we do on these podcasts, Ethan. That's the hustle. It's all about the content. Oh, yeah, no, do you ever get that feeling where, you know, you're watching a new Beatles documentary or listening to a new album, and rather than absorbing it in that way you would have when you were first getting into the band, like, oh, I can't wait to turn this into three episodes worth of content. Well, see, I I don't get that feeling because my show uh, is weird because, you know, I, I don't talk about you know, specific Beatles things. Mm. Like your show, you talk about, like, I'm sure you had four or six episodes of Egypt Station material. (laughs) 100%, at least, at least. With with each new suitcase that came out. Um, I did not buy that, by the way, just just to let everyone know. I know my wonderful nemesis, Tom Hunyadi, who you've had on your show, he definitely Tom Hunyadi, who's he? Who's he? No, um, oh, he's think... the guy who likes to talk more talk and chat more chat. No, I've had him on my show a few times as well. He's a fantastic guy to yeah. to uh, chat the Beatles with. But the way he's able to part with the cold hard green dollar and uh, spend it spend it on stuff that me as a millennial can just listen to on Spotify for free, you know, just doesn't make much sense to me. Speaking of, you just brought up a good point. I think you're the first millennial I've had on the show. No, so, um, I was actually quite annoyed to find out how old you were, Ethan. And not, well, I mean, firstly, let, let me just say, like, I did a terrible podcast when I was like 20, 
and it was called The Black Pyramid, and it was about Warhammer, and it was terrible. It's never been released. Warhammer um, 40K? Warhammer 40K, definitely. And I was talking about my space marines and my orcs. It was very, very strange. And I'm sure if I'm ever struck down, I will release it in a kind of Manchurian candidate way. But... <laughs> If I could have done a podcast as half as good as the one you've put together at 17, you know, I, I might have actually finished the, the McCartney you know, discography by now. It's, stop saying it's a good show. It's not. Well, it's. I haven't had anyone tell me that it's a bad show yet. No, you've had one thumbs down on YouTube, haven't you? I, I have had one thumbs down. <laughs> and I'll, I'll admit this. Did I already tell this story? You've listened to a bunch of episodes. Yes, have yes, I... you've definitely mentioned this. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad it got to you because yeah. I had a, a one-star rating on iTunes and it, it's, it's stuck with me for two years now. I, I sent the link to all my friends saying, can you like this? The thumbs down's really upsetting me and I want to make it look less big. Oh, no, Ethan, I've said to all of my friends, I don't care if you ever listen to my show, but just download every episode and subscribe. It really helps me out in a big way. Yeah. You know, 100%. At least just from an ego perspective. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got five downloads. Oh, no, I always appreciate podcasts who publicly post their downloads so I can, you know, fruitlessly spend hours and hours tallying up who I've got more or less downloads than. Again, it's all about the content. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't do that yet, because now I'm just on Spotify. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, you can watch this episode, or you can listen to, because you can't watch it, because no one wants to see my ugly face. Uh, case in point, the one face interview I've done, uh, it puts that rumor to shame that I have a good face. Um, you can listen on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. By the time this gets uploaded, probably iHeartRadio.com. Uh, you know, all of those wonderful things. What was I talking about before I blacked out there and started plugging? Oh, we were just talk, talking about the endless grind that is content material for podcasts, I guess. Ah, yes. Um, Lovely. I guess, I guess I should kind of explain what Paul or Nothing is to anyone who hasn't li- listened to it already, I hope. Please do. See, uh, if you've listened to enough episodes, you know the kind of production company name I use is Shilltown. So I will, I will shill for anybody. Well, you know, you, you either get it out of the way at the start or at the beginning, and let's get out of the way now. Um, yeah. I host Paul or Nothing. Uh, it is the place to get all of your Paul all of the time, as I always say in my little intro. And I will, I will say, Ethan, once you get your intro down, you'll know in your heart of heart that it's your ultimate intro, and it'll roll off the tongue every single time. Well, I don't think I will have an ultimate intro. I think mine's just kind of fluid. I always say something like, welcome, welcome, welcome back to Fans on the Run. Something like that. I only just got my definitive ending down, which is like, uh, what do I say? It's like, and for all those out there listening, thank you for listening. You can go home now. That's what I say. (laughs) I only figured that out after about eight episodes of saying ta-ta for now, which makes me (laughs) fucking cringe. That's funny. Now, I uh, I always like to say, I'm sure Denny Lane's playing us out by now. Keep listening to Paul. Peace and love, peace and love. Harry, Harry, Krishna. Take care of every, everyone. And then it cuts straight to that great solo at the end of No Words. Ah, great bit of the song. Speaking of, 
How do you actually get away with using? The, I can I I can edit this out if you want. How do you get away with using the copywritten music in your episodes? But, Basically, I use something about the Beatles as a kind of canary down the mine shaft. And since they haven't gotten taken down for any sort of copyright suits and, you know, using sometimes what feels like half an hour's worth of copyrighted material yeah. before an episode starts, um, you know, nothing's really happened to them. I think Apple are quite aware that podcasting is a bit of a wild west at the moment. Um, a lot of my episodes aren't on YouTube yet because uh, I can't. I kind of have to re-edit some of them, especially when like a new McCartney release is coming out. For example, uh, we've had the Flaming Pie uh, re-release. Loads of the Uber Jubu stuff and the uh, session stuff has automatically been pulled by those Matrix robots that run YouTube now. Unfortunately, uh, yes. you know, uh, I I am a guy who is. Constantly played about once every six months when Revolution Take 20 is taken down off YouTube, for example. Oh. Oh, yeah, so that's uh, that, uh, along with a lot of the um, session stuff for Flowers in the Dirt and Press to Play, a lot, a lot of those mid 80s McCartney material gets taken down off YouTube once every couple of months, and then a couple of my uh, bootlegger friends always ends up re- reloading them in about two to three months before they get taken take down again and again. It's, it's a cycle. It's the circle of life. Definitely, it is. See, um, that's that's why I, I recorded my own theme song. Because I didn't want to have to deal <laughs> with any royalty-free or any of that shit. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just grab my guitar, grab my keyboard, and just make something that sounds enough like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, but different enough that I won't get sued. Yeah, the original plan was to commission something from Neil Innes, but unfortunately that's never going to happen now. Uh, I can remember I was doing charity door-to-door sales, uh, and I was thinking about doing Paul or Nothing, and my friend Tom, who's going to come up, I'm sure, many times in my stories today, he just rang up and said, Sam, just pick the weirdest song that Paul McCartney does, and I went, it's got to be Temporary Secretary then. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, I did my little intro uh, speech, and it just fit the beat and the rhythm of that song so perfectly. It was a match made in heaven, and the intro to my little podcast is almost like a bonus track for McCartney 2 for me now. Yeah. Well, uh, Temporary Secretary is my favorite Paul song. I about shit my pants when I saw him live, and he kicked into Temporary Secretary. I don't know if anyone else in the arena recognized it, but I was just screaming at the top of my lungs. He actually plays it a little more rocky as well in that live band setting, which is quite interesting. Obviously, he's got Wixie in in the background going, but he's got the bass going and the guitars are much more prominent in the mix. It's a very interesting way to hear the song. I He didn't play it when I saw him, sadly. I'm heartbroken for you. No, it's a fantastic song, though. Yeah. But yeah, I'll just quickly, I'll just quickly conclude. Uh, Paul and I think I basically go through album by album. I cover every cold cut track, every hot hit, uh, every gig, every project, every film. Basically, anything he's ever done, I have or will cover in some form. I do a lot of interviews as well. Uh, a lot of co-hosts that accompany me for for the, a lot of the discussions. Many of these people are the lovely folk you've had. On your show already. Um, I'm, I'm very jealous that you managed to get Ken Womack episode 2, Kitto Tool episode 3. Again, it's not what you know, is it? No. it's I, I, I'm lucky enough that I benefit from what I like to call uh, the Beetlefest nepotism. 
I I know a lot of the organizers very well, and so if I want a particular guest, usually they have their contact info, and so shout out to the lovely Susan Ryan, who's been basically my my publicist for the last four months. No, and the, I'm the still, lady at the ve- oh, I'm oh, still sorry. I'm still working my way uh, to get Mark Lewison. And that, that's a very Same. real possibility within the next year. Well, we've both met him. And yes. uh, when, I, when I met him, I said, uh, I do a podcast called Paul or Nothing. He went, oh, I should probably check it out. And I said, no, God, no, definitely, please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want you listening to anything I, I have to say because you'll, you'll just laugh, yeah. Mr. Lewison. Um, I've managed to get a couple of nice names, though. Um, I managed to speak you got Lawrence Juber. Lawrence Juba was that was very early early on as well. I can't believe I, had, I managed that one. Uh, Brantley Gutierrez, who did the the uh, Who Cares music video, I was very proud to have him on. Yeah. Uh, I guess the main shtick of my show, though, uh, you know, in contrast to all of the other uh, Beatles and McCartney podcasts out there, is that I'm not claiming to be any sort of expert yeah. or completionist. Uh, at the time of recording, I have not listened to Off the Ground. I have not listened to all of Chaos and Creation in the Backyard or even Flaming Pie. And it's a journey, you know, with me and the listener. We're going to go through all these albums. I might make some kind of rash decisions, but I revisit albums. Uh, I do uh, a Listen with Sam series where I go and talk about albums that I may have reviewed before, like, you know, McCartney One and Ram and stuff and Wildlife. And my opinions in the three out. Al- and my opinions in the three years that I've done this podcast have already changed. So it's it's been a really fun journey. If you ever get around to Off the Ground, I would be willing to accept your invitation as a co-host because I love Off the Ground. The main album or the B-sides? That's the big distinction with people, I've been told. Um, well, they're, they're different, though, aren't they? Um, I wouldn't I, I, know. I like I like I like the main album. Haven't really delved too much into the B sides, except for the one where he says "fuck" a lot. I don't remember oh, what the name uh, of the song is. Big boys bickering is yeah, that one? I that believe. One. That I guess one. though, like with with Paul, uh, you know, the deeper you go, the higher you fly. To uh, quote Lennon. Because um, like your efforts are always rewarded with a couple of new tunes, uh, you know, whether it's albums or session tapes or demos. There's always this completely transcendent quality where everything's got at least five percent Beatle magic hidden somewhere in the mix, and you always walk away with something. Like just the other day, I heard the song for the first time. This will ruin my credibility. Uh, Check my machine, which was the B side to Waterfalls oh, for yes. the first time. Yes. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I love this. And it's one of his best songs, isn't it? Yeah. Easily one of his best songs. It's fantastic. It sums Check up my machine. <laughs> oh, I judge. Have you heard the Morning Terry? Morning Terry. We could just do the whole song. I mean, yeah. I'll do the five minute edit, the eight minute edit. They're both brilliant. Yeah. Acapella. <laughs> no, Acapella, I, I, check my machine. Could be done. Could be done. It could be done, and it probably has or will be done. 
I, I think I'm just going to get into a question and see where this question leads us. We'll go down that long and winding road. Go on. Shut up. I don't like fucking puns. <laughs> oh, I, I, I also host and uh, guest on a uh, show called Pun It, which is the world's first pun-based game show. So uh, I'm sure, oh, Ethan, you'll uh, include a, a link for that down below as well. Of but course I will. I won't draw Of, co- of course <laughs> I will. I, see, you just pulled what is, I think, my favorite power move. By saying that you can find something in the description, uh, thereby forcing the host <laughs> to put it in yes. the description. It's like, fuck, I, I can't really do anything otherwise now. Anyway, I at least force you to have to do some more editing, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it in. I'll put the links <laughs> to your pun game show. And another three fans for the show. Yes. Another... Are we talking about your show or my show? Because I, I I have about three or four fans, and all of them have been guests on the show. Me included, I hope. Well, now <laughs> uh, we're in the midst of recording, and that means I think I have five fans. All Mate, five. Well, that's a you know that's a twenty percent improvement. Yeah, you're doing well. Yeah, I only have one dislike on my entire YouTube channel, so. Yeah, go and fuck yourselves. Oh, yes. When you first hit like fifty downloads in a day, then a hundred downloads in a day, you do start building up a tolerance to it, and soon just nothing can satisfy you until you get like a thousand downloads in a day. Has that happened to you yet? No, but my best friend Tom, who again I'll mention later in this episode, he's definitely had those numbers, and he's always quick to remind me. What does he do? <laughs> So, um, he hosts uh, Alpha Metallica, which is a, a letter-by-letter, song-by-song Metallica podcast, as well as BRR, Battle Rap Resume, which is the UK's biggest battle rap podcast. Oh, wow. Uh, which came out of our first show we ever did together. But, again, more on that later, folks. Yeah. Links in the description, everybody. <laughs> Smash yeah. that like button. Make sure to uh, hit the bell so you get all the notifications and all of that. Thank you, because I, I, I've been meaning to start saying shit like that, um, because, you know, people listen, but I don't know if they actually subscribe, so subscribe, or else. And give Ethan a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify, it'll really help him out in a big way, always does. See, this is why I like having other people with podcasts who've been doing them much longer and have better shows than mine, because they actually know how to promote these things, or at least say, like, oh, the, hey, uh, iTunes. Oh, yeah. All you've got to do is just is, is just copy someone else in a slightly unique way. That, yeah. That's what I've been doing. Well, I'm going to start copying you. Oh, I'll, wow, that, that, that's uh, the blind leading the blind there, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Uh, I'll, I'll expect my cease and desist letter in the mail. Anyways, Sam Wiles, how did you first discover mm-hmm. the Beatles? Well, okay, just as a warning, this parable is going to sound unbearably millennial and Don't of worry. the 2000s. <laughs> millennial. Dude, I'm Gen Z, or for our American listeners, Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Except it's I'm Gen definitely Z. what? It's Z. 
is a what, what are we like fourth or fifth generation now? Yeah. I don't even know what a generation is in terms of music. Yeah, I, I'd say so. You, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 guess what you are after you say how you figured out the Beatles. Well. So there are going to be quite a few plugs for Apple here, but we're not on about the Beatles' Apple core. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the tech giant mostly. Yeah. Because um, the first part starts, like so many of the people on your show, with my father. And he had this huge brick of an iPod, the original iPod, yeah. which could hold a ridiculous amount of music. It was something like, you know, a hundred bazillion jillion songs. Mm-hmm. And he would download a playlist illegally from sources like LimeWire and stuff like that. This is pre-Pirate Bay, folks. Yeah. And LimeWire. He wasn't a... Napster. If, Li- no, oh. no, Napster was dead by then. Napster would have been dead. I, I, Metallica I've, I've never killed seen it. That. <laughs> uh, I'm sure my friend Tom on Alpha Metallica has gone into that at some point. Have you ever but, seen the yeah. uh, Napster bad internet shorts? Like they were these flash animations on Newgrounds, I think. It was like... James Hetfield with some sort of like Neanderthal, and he's like, Napster, bad, fire, bad, money, good. No, that sounds very Salad Fingers era, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't seen that, but again, you'll have to definitely send, send me the link for that after. Yeah. Um, thing about my dad, he wasn't a, a super fan in the way that we are, and he kind of just stocked this iPod with random songs that he recognised from his own youth. And uh, so from an early age, I was kind of listening to this incredibly disorganised but personalised Beatles playlists. There were oddities in there that I thought were part of the main canon. Like, you know, I had the Abbey Road medley out of sequence scattered throughout the whole playlist. Um, I had several anthology cuts that I thought were the original track. Like um, the really jangy, twangy, tinny version of something with just George on guitar. That was something to me for 10 years at least. Oh, wow. Um, and there were a couple of solo tracks like maybe I'm Amazed, Photograph and Imagine that were all passed off as just the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the Wild West folks where you just downloaded something and yeah. you didn't know if you're getting a virus or the real song. So it was a bit of a stab in the dark. Um but yeah, that's when I first kind of heard the band. And then when I went to university, my dad gave me my very first vinyls. And they were copies of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and Band on the Run. And they were original pressings. They're still in their, you know, plastic cases, which I know you're a fan of. Oh. And my fate was sealed with those albums. They're still some of my favourites to this day. I mean, what better albums to start off with, really? Um, Revolver. Also in that... Well, we'll get onto Revolver shortly. Um, Ethan, I know that you're a huge Michael Jackson fan, and in oh, that Jesus collection Christ. was also an original pressing of Thriller, oh. uh, which is one of my babies. And since Kitto Tool mentioned the album on this show, uh, he also gave me a copy of Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie by Wonder. Stevie Wonder as well. Oh, those are my four children. Those are my Fab Four. Um, but. That also kind of led me into a vinyl obsession. And I think with a lot of Beatle fans, the ability to collect, you know, it's like Pokemon. you got to get them all, you got to catch them all. Yeah. And the ability just to go to a shop and there's there's a hundred Beatle things you can buy and you want them all. Although you reach a point of saturation where it's you aren't buying them willingly. You're buying them begrudgingly. 
<laughs> it's like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Do I... Ringo's retrograde? No. No. Smell the roses. I've got to buy it. Oh. Retrograde? What's it called? Ringo's Ro- something? Road of Revere? That's the one. Thank you very much. Um, that shows my Ringo... That, that shows my Ringo fandom. Oh, don't worry. I have it, but I haven't listened to it. No, um, uh, I'm... Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure I'm gonna. But I feel obligated to buy all the Ringo albums, mm. you know. And then you walk into stores, and it's like, oh wow, look at that—a German copy of Beatles for sale. Do I need it? No. Am I going to buy it? Yes. Really? Yeah. Of course you are. Yeah. And then there's then there's the expensive ones. Like, oh, I've got to fork out for all things must pass at some point. I'm not looking forward to that. The new, like a new copy or an original? I think either or. You're still forking out a lot of money if if the dealer knows what he's doing. How much? How much are they going for in your neck of the woods? I've only ever seen one, and it was like 175 pounds. Oh, That's probably about 250. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, and it was like not the 2001 reissue because that one I, I've seen go for around that, but like an original. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it go. I mean, I've seen some Beatles albums, like the White Album. For some reason, that was going for like eight hundred pounds, so close to a thousand dollars. Oh, it was and probably you... like an original mono top loader <laughs> pressing. Or it was. Something. It, it was Ringo's Lost, you know, number zero 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 one pressing oh, or something God. like that. But um, you mentioned off air, you know, you kind of got into the Beatles vinyl scene just before the boom. And when you said that on an earlier episode, I nearly fell off my bike with laughter because that is my experience too, Ethan. Yeah. Um, Like, I remember buying, especially, I think the situation might have been different in in the UK. Uh, There was only a couple Beatles albums that were in print, brand new, when I started. Uh, there was the Love Album, there was one Yellow Submarine song track, Let It Be Naked, and the only one from the old catalogue... Abbey Road? Abbey Road was the only yeah. one you could find in brand yeah. new in shops. And that's because it's the University Dorm Stoner album, yeah. if, you're not, if you're not into Bob Marley, of course. Mm-hmm. Was that the same case over there? Oh, if I go to another dorm room and see an Abbey Road poster on the wall of someone yeah. who doesn't know what Octopus's Garden is, I'm going to scream. Yeah. I really am. No, I mean, um, was that the only <laughs> record that was in print? There were no records that were in print a couple of years ago. And then we had, uh, essentially, unfortunately, the album that really brought back vinyl in a big way was the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Oh. Uh, and that pr- that got a whole generation back into vinyl, and I can remember going to a crusty little shop in Wolverhampton, where I went to university, not a particularly prestigious or wealthy area, mm-hmm. and I got a um, Magical Mystery Tour for £2.50, so probably about $4 at the time. The EP uh, or the LP? The American LP, with the book. Oh. And I was like, why is this so cheap? And the guy went, because it's shit and no one likes it. <laughs> and I... And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget him saying 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 that to me. And from then on, I was like, I've got to get all of these. I've got a, a, a copy of Let It Be that I bought. I, I knew it wouldn't play, but I just wanted the, the, the album cover to put on the wall somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost a copy of, of uh, the US version of Rubber Soul in a breakup when I was chucked out uh, in the rain quite dramatically. Not uh, a terrible loss. 
um, and I lost a copy of uh, Let It Be Naked in the in the, in the okay. same incident as well. That, so, that's um, a bigger loss because that one's worth a bit of a pretty penny nowadays. At least it wasn't something like, oh no, she smashed my copy of the Glyn Johns mix with her hammer. It wasn't that bad, you know? Oh no, she tried to peel my second state butcher cover out of revenge. Oh, could you imagine? No, please. I'll do anything. Please don't do that. But uh, yeah, you know, it's all back to those premium prices now. The yeah. Beatles have that price tag that I always... is going to last another 50 years, like Mickey Mouse. Yeah. What, what I find... Uh, or based on my experiences record shopping, the worst thing to ever happen to me buying Beatles records mm. were those 2012 vinyl reissues. Because now when you go to a store, you sh- before you were able to gauge how good their Beatles selection was by how thick it was. Mm. Because you could go, it's like, oh, it's quite thick. Oh, they have weird, good stuff. And now it's if it's thick, it's like, oh, here's the 2017 Sgt. Pepper Oh, here's a new copy of Please Please Me. Oh, yeah, and it's all boring. Yeah, it's very it's it's almost too easy now, isn't it? Yeah, you really have to go to, like, um, we they're called charity shops here in the UK. Yeah. They're probably called thrift shops uh, yeah. uh, over there. Uh, that's that's where the real excitement comes from. Where you might actually find a rare. I mean, original pressing of some long-lost McCartney album or something like that. I think I got my copy of uh, Wings at the Speed of Sound in a charity shop here in the UK. So, you know, you never know what I got a copy of uh, the soundtrack to The Family... What? The Family Way. You got... Oh, you lucky bugger. At at a thrift store. Because they had no idea what it was. It, it's it, it's the American version, so it doesn't have the nice green cover, but it is still, you know, not a cheap album. Oh, I was listening to one of your episodes the other day, and um, so uh, Canada got the American releases then? Most of them. My gosh, when you said that Drive My Car wasn't the opening track to Rubber Soul, I nearly had a heart attack. I was like, you know, it uh, well, is. Well, the thing is, is. I, I grew up with the British versions. Mm. Um, but, you know, the rest of my generation, the only American or the only things we kind of got from Britain were the first few singles. And okay. uh, we had an album called Beatlemania with the Beatles, which was just the With the Beatles album. No tracks taken off or added. Then we had one called Twist and Shout, which was basically Please Please Me, plus or minus a few songs. They added From Me to You and She Loves You for some unexplicable reason. But, and we got like the Love Me Do, Please Please Me, From Me to You, all those early singles before the U.S. did. Yeah, I mean, I've been getting, that's a, a topic of that I've been meaning to get into in more detail, the whole US versus UK. Oh, I, uh, I am very passionate listings. about that topic. Revolver, my God, was gutted horribly. I know! It, it doesn't even make sense. Well, it, it makes sense when you know why it was gutted. Well, well yeah, you know, yeah. The, 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 those were the, what, four songs that had already been recorded at that point. Yeah. They were all John songs as and well. they were like... Capital was trying to put yeah let's let's fucking put out another compilation, and they're like send us the newest Beatles songs, and so they sent like four of the tracks off Revolver, and so they just Revolver here is a husk 
of what it was. <laughs> and even more of a McCartney and George album, consequently. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's still open. Uh, actually, yeah. Yeah. I think it still has She Said, She Said. I think. Was Tomorrow Never Knows? Yes, it was still on there. Yeah, because that was the first song recorded, and yet they were like, no, no, we definitely don't want that on this compilation album. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, uh, it's it's it, it's very it's it's very hard to not do Beatles impressions when oh. you've grown up with them. It's it's really not. The thing is with me, I I try and stay as far away I can from doing any sort of British accent because I always there's one accent I can do that's passable, but that's about it. Which is it, it's kind of generic northerner. It's like I think it's mostly you know who John Peel is. Yes, it's it's the... kind of John Peel. <laughs> oh, okay. I I did a, a mockumentary about a friend of mine, and I I played this British DJ from the sixties, <laughs> and so the whole thing I I had to do it in that accent, and it's like my friend had a cult in it, so it's like you know his cult was founded on the principles of this song, which was you know fire. It was that simple, really. Oh, it's a bit, it's a bit Yorkshire then. Yeah, bit Yorkshire. Bit, all right. You know, <laughs> luxury. No, I've I've noticed whenever most people across the Atlantic tend to do a British accent, it ends up coming out in Ruttles more more than anything. You know, yeah, it, it all just ends up coming out like this, you know, with the Ruttles and all that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Ringo was a big part of my childhood with Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. Uh, was, Rick, was it was Thomas it George said, Carlin over yeah, there? Yeah, it was George Carlin, <laughs> which is so weird. Yeah, like... <laughs> Thomas said to the fat controller, "No, I don't want your potty nonsense." Thomas went over the hill, and he went over the hill. It was my whole childhood was that, and that, and that's before I I even knew who who the Beatles were. Um, See, I never watched that as a kid for some reason. Yeah, uh, takes place in the magical fantasy land of Sodor. Uh, nice little bit of a of a trivia for your fans there. Um, just uh, another little tangent. Another part of my uh, Beatles awareness history. I have to give a huge shout out to my uh, podcasting co-host Tom Quee. As I mentioned earlier, he does all those other other shows. We started out doing a Tom Waits podcast together. Okay. And um, before all of that. He was essentially getting very frustrated with my lack of broad musical knowledge. Like, I know the Beatles very well. I know Tom Waits very well. Kanye West, Talking Heads. A couple of bands that I just... Kanye West. Oh, Kanye, uh, probably Paul's second best collaborator in terms of good songs. Controversial opinion. More than uh, Elvis Costello? Elvis Costello isn't is the worst part of Flowers in the Dirt. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, oh, come on. Like, that day is done, boring. Um, if I you, feel if, so sorry. If you try and insult my brave face, I will buy a plane ticket and punch you. Hey, I am very glad that the entire band re-recorded it and cut Elvis's contributions <laughs> out completely. Uh, yeah. I mean, what... Uh, I wish U.S. Le Soleil or Soleil was on Flowers in the Dirt. I wish Peacocks was on Flowers in the Dirt. 
Um, I mean, so 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 much of that stuff from around that period, like the you film like the way Le Soleil, yeah, and the video is fantastic as well. It's it's uh, uh, all the best McCartney songs are him being weird, yeah, and. The way you, the best way to test it out is if you can play a Paul McCartney song at a party and none of your friends notice, it's a good Paul McCartney song. They're like, oh, what's this? Check my machine, or like you know, dark room, or secret friend, or um, Frank Sinatra's party, big day, uh, Atlantic Ocean. I mean, any of those songs, I people can my, just get lost. I think my favorite one. It, it, I don't know how weird it is. It's Monkberry Moon Delight. Mm. Is it weird enough or is it still, you know? It possibly might be one of my top three Paul McCartney tracks ever. I know um, Luca Perazzi, who was my very first guest on the show, uh, who wrote the Paul McCartney Songwriting Sessions book. Fantastic little text. Um, that is easily one of the best. That is easily one of the best post Beatles songs ever. Like and it was literally something. It, I literally dropped the mic, um, quite literally. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, retake that. It's oh, it's okay. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. I, the least editing I have to do possible, just as long as uh, we don't say a, a particular author's name who we've uh, mentioned in private, uh, whose name <laughs> I have and will censor out in any future episodes. That's did, it. Did I you think, listen I, to the John Montagna episode? No, that's one I haven't listened to. Is that name beeped out in that one as it well? It is like complete. No, um, I, I I accidentally quoted one of the uh, racial slurs Paul threw at Yoko in one of my recent episodes, and I and I had to beep that out. I was like, oh my god, I cannot believe I left I left that in there. Uh, one of the very naughty things Paul has said in in in, in his time actually. Um, I had a great email recently about was the that title. the one where it also had the word tart. Yes, it also had the word tart in it as well. Yeah. And it's also the title of one of his songs from yeah. from McCartney too, which we've yeah, been talking Frozen. about. Frozen. Frozen something. Well, uh, it I should think, be called Frozen Samurai or Frozen Camino. I think, in this, I think you know. in this context we can say it. Uh, but it's it's not like the John Lennon song where I I don't feel comfortable saying the name. Yeah, at least at, at least in these particular times, it's just yeah. it's it's just I mean, it's just woman it, is the something of the something. It's the something of the something, uh, but not but not that something. Uh, no. The greatest song written by Lennon and McCartney, according to Frank, Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. Great quote! What, what fucking fantastic quote that is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, back back to iPods. Yeah, um, my friend Tom. He was very upset that I didn't know anything about music. So he took my iPod Nano and he uh, went onto iTunes and he renamed the iPod uh, Gimli's Balls, which uh, I couldn't change for some reason. And, yeah, you know, iPod Nano to date the story again. So tell, so tell us more about Gimli's Balls. Um, yeah, there was there was a running gag that I, I had sexual relations at school with either Gimli from Lord of the Rings or Optimus Prime from the Transformers series. And I know any of my friends who are listening right now will be laughing their heads off. Oh? Uh, <laughs> Is the, there a uh, reason why? Oh, because they were awful friends and they were picking on me. But No, I know, know, but any specific <laughs> reason why Gimli... Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I guess just Gimli's just one of the one of the least appealing members of the fellowship. It's not yeah. like saying, "Oh, Sam, you got off with Legolas," is it? Yeah. 
you know. And I think Optimus Prime's just a little a little too ridiculous not to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, after he renamed it Gimli's Balls, he added loads of bands for me to discover, like Drive By Truckers, The Replacements, Gillian Welsh, Tom Waits, for whom we went to go on and do a podcast together called Down in the Hole. Uh, but amidst all of that, he included a little album called Revolver. And I can remember being in Miss Snyder's Year 11 art class and hearing a one, two, three, four, three, four. <coughs> and who isn't an instant convert after that point, you know? Um, and then. I had to add in the cough. Oh, of course. And then, you know, you just end up going through Help and Abbey Road and the White Album and Get Back in what seems like hours. You, you just go through it all. And, I mean, I'm 27 now. That was at least a, a decade ago. And even then, I was able to, you know, consume and retain so much content so quickly. And I really have to shout out my friend Tom because he made sure that I got into the Beatles at that formative age, mm-hmm. you know. Those, you know, you've mentioned it before on this show. Going back to those first weeks and months when you're discovering the Beatles is a it's, truly it's incomparable euphoric. time. Oh, it's so good. I, it's I would give anything to go back. I mean, the Men in Black must have so many good Beatles memories. You just oh. listen to the discography. Yeah. Neur- neuralize yourself. Yeah. Bam. Listen to the Beatles again. Yeah. Like- or that guy from Memento. Just yeah. tattoo, just tattoo on, on, on onto yourself every morning. Listen to Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> oh God! So iPod revolver. Oh yeah. Oh no, sorry. I, I, you were gonna. Sorry. Carry oh. On. <laughs> Where were you going with that story? Oh yeah. Or was um, the story over? Yeah. This, yeah. The. the you are going to have to edit this bit out. I'm, I'm, I'm also sorry, but yeah. That, we will the, not have to edit this bit out. <laughs> the end of the story was just, yeah, my yeah. friend forced me to listen to it. And basically every important uh, interaction with the Beatles in my life has come in, in some sort of technological form. Uh, I was very excited when they got onto Spotify and iTunes. Another kind of important story for me, again, going to sound incredibly dated, but I was out here in Birmingham, UK, with my Birmingham. aforementioned friend Tom. Birmingham with Daddy Lane yeah, in the canals, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you definitely try and hide that accent. Yeah. Uh, many of my uh, uh, friends' fathers who are quite successful say, Sam, just drop the Birmingham accent because you'll never get respect, which is a, a fantastically bit of a very old-world advice, I guess. But we, we we were out in Birmingham in the Bull Ring, which is a huge shopping centre. Not quite a shopping mall. We don't quite have malls over here. Okay. But we were walking past Her Majesty's Voice, HMV. Ah. You know. Oh, you're going to make me sad. Because HMV was our, you know, big record store chain until it closed. Oh, uh, is it no longer there? That's a it, terrible shame. Well, but the thing is, the guy who... There's a store that kind of took over HMV like, took over all of its locations. And when your HMV was having financial trouble, the guy who runs our new record store chain bought the original HMV. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, so it now is... it, it's owned by the guy who also owns Sunrise Records here in Canada. That makes sense. I mean, everything's owned by everyone now nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. And we also bought the big U.S. chain that's still left, FYE. So now, 
Canada kind of has domination of the physical media retail game. I'm going to guess FYE stands for For Your Ears? You're very, very close. It's For Your Entertainment. Oh, close enough. Two out of three is not yeah. bad. We, you got 66%. A, um... That's a pass. <laughs> I hope I've passed the audition. Yeah. Here in Birmingham, we've actually had a, a brand new HMV, which is absolutely massive. Probably, you know, a tiny little back alley storefront in America. But for us, it's huge. And it's got all the Beatles vinyl in well, there. there. It's was, got all the There used re- to be the like a, a huge HMV in downtown Toronto that was five five or six floors. Oh, that sounds great. But it's it's long gone. No, I mean, there's 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 nothing better than when there's a, a new shop and you just go in and we go, oh. right, let's see their Beatles section, like you say. Let's test them. Yeah. Although, but yeah. it's all oh. new Beatles records, so the element of surprise is kind of diminished. Unless, you know, there's, like, cool bootlegs or something. Ooh, look, a, a copy of the Beatles' White Power in H&V. No, that's never going to happen, you know. Oh, do you have a copy of that? No, but I've heard it on YouTube. There's, I one of my biggest regrets in life is I was at a record <laughs> store in London, Ontario. Oh, no, it was Woodstock, Ontario. Um... And I was flipping through the Beatles records. They had some suspicious uh, albums that were... They weren't bootlegs. They were just straight-up counterfeits. Uh, (laughs) But I saw one called The Beatles' White Power. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Mm. And I didn't have the money on me to get it. So I didn't get it. And it's one of the biggest regrets of my life. Well, going back to my story, I didn't have any money on me either when I came across this product. It was the Beatles rock band for the Nintendo Wii. Oh. It was £50 for the game, the drums, the mic, and a Hofner bass guitar. And I didn't oh. have any money on me. My friend Tom bought it for me then and there. He didn't bat an eyelid. I managed to pay him back later, but I, from I, then on... I got that know, for shortly after Christmas in January 2011, I think, after pleading and begging my mum, we drove to the <laughs> one uh, EB Games that still had it in stock. Man, this must have been even earlier, even earlier than that. This was right at the start of our friendship. This could have been 2000. I mean, what was it out in 2009? I think it came it out was... 9909. Yeah. Same day as those uh, remastered CDs. Well, it clearly didn't sell all that well, at least in this HMV chain. They'd massively reduced it, and my friend bought it for me then and there. And video gaming and the Beatles was rolled into one for me then. And that's probably when it really took off me that I could just really obsess about this band in a very interactive way that no other generation really seemed to be able to get involved yeah. in. You know, unless you learn a real instrument like a chump or something. Um, <laughs> what a fucking loser if you actually learn an instrument because of the Beatles. Can't oh. be me. Can't be me. <laughs> No, um, did you complete Be- Beatles Rock Band? Did you enjoy that game? Uh, no, but the thing is, I actually ended up... I got the one with the drums and the Hofner, but before I could actually beat the game, I actually ended up getting a real Hofner. Mm. So I just oh, kind no. of gave up on the game. No, I get that. Um, rather fortuitously, um, the fact that I 
could drum very well on the Beatles rock band actually led me to being drafted into my school's own charity rock band as the drummer. Oh. But that was only because the original drummer was expelled for smoking weed at school. Oh. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Sam, you can hit some sticks at least kind of in time, can't you? And I said, do we get to play Get Back? Yeah. And then, bam, I'm in, yeah. I'm in the band. It was, it, was, it was a fair trade-off. Fair trade. 100%. And uh, honestly, Beatles Rock Band is one of those topics that, as a young millennial, I've, I've been dying to cover on the show. Well, I've been I, trying to get someone involved you know, to speak to me about I, it. It's been a bit tricky. I, I, I'm up for it. I, I, I love the Beatles Rock Band. I, re- I have many a memory of playing it. Like, I remember once... Uh, going up to my cottage, uh, about four hours north of where I live, and plugging into the TV and just setting up for the whole weekend, and just playing nothing but the Beatles rock band. Oh, totally! Like I remember taking it to, on a holiday with me to Spain. Like my, like my family would only go on a holiday once a year, and they just yeah. rent this villa. And there was a TV and stuff, and I'd f- cram the Wii in there. I'd take the headstock off the Hoffner, cram it all in there. And rather than going outside and spending time in the Spanish sun, in the Costa del Sol, I was just inside on the cold white marble floor, just strumming to get back, you know, blue, 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 green, red, blue, blue, and then just <laughs> going straight, straight into it. And that was my holiday, and I, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Unfortunately... When I took it to university with me, I left my Hofner leaning up against a radiator. Oh. And, and just melted it completely. Oh. And, you know, ever since... Happiness I just, I just is not a warm Hofner. Definitely not. And uh, a lot of my flatmates certainly got a lot of yucks out of that when that when, when that was discovered early one morning. Oh, what's that smell? Oh, it's your Beatles rock band. <laughs> oh, man. R.I.P. Sadly so. But yeah, when I get around to doing Beatles Rock Band, I will certainly give you give you give you a call because that is a very interesting game in the way that it plays with the Beatles history. Like um rather than just Lennon teasing the first few notes of I want you she's so heavy on the rooftop. Fuck yeah. it. They they play the whole thing on the rooftop. I love that kind of thing. Yeah. Imagine if they actually did play it on the rooftop though. That would have been legendary. If because oh, they had Billy Preston there as well, and it would have been, oh, it would have been perfect. Yeah. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Anyways, I I was going to ask you what your first Beatles album was, or Beatles record, but you have, you've answered those quite well. Twice, I think. Or, yeah. I, <laughs> I'll ask you, what does your Beatles record collection look like now? Well, I've recently had to kind of curb an eBay spending spree addiction for a lot of the McCartney singles. That's a really fun deep dive to go down. And whenever I go on Instagram and see that Tom Hunyady has bought another CD or another vinyl, I'm like, oh, God, I've got to buy another one now. You know, I've I've got to find... Do you want me to make you salivate? I have a factory-sealed, never-opened copy of the 12-inch for Ule Le Soleil that I got for $14 at a record store in Florida. Well, you ripped that guy off. You you got a fantastic buy there. That is brilliant. Yeah, he had no other fucking Beatles records except that. 
<laughs> That's funny. What if he like? Could you imagine some kid who just wants to buy Abbey Road? What if he got? Oh, I've got this Paul McCartney track from like you know the the eighties. If you want, okay, I'll try it. Yeah. The thing is, I, I I I wouldn't know what it would sound like because it's never opened. No, I've got a couple that I'm after still. I haven't got Pretty Little Head. You know, either of the mixes. There's the terrible single mix. Um, well, over there, you guys got the uh, the press single in a round sleeve at some point. Not the one I've got. There are so many copies of press. Like, I, I, I have just the picture a, discs. Yeah, and, oh. I, I have just like a normal 12-inch. But there's one that looks like... Do you know the album Ogden's Nut Gone Flake by the Small Faces? I'm I'm just gonna say yes to save face, but okay, yeah, save small face. <laughs> hey, but yeah, see, I can get in on the puns. I'll have you on pun it soon. Don't yeah. worry. Anyways, it's I'll explain. Oh fuck it, you already kind of can figure it out. <laughs> no, the other one uh, I, I need to get though. And it's there were only ten thousand copies made as far as I'm aware, but it's the it's the theme song of my fucking show, which is Temporary Secretary. Yeah. And every copy's about fifty pounds or about you know, it's between seventy-five and eighty dollars online. I'm like, oh come on. Can't someone just stupidly sell it as part of the big lot that I yeah. can snap up for five quid? What's the most you've actually spent on a Beatle related record before? This is no judgment because I, I will say how much I've paid, and I don't like doing that very often. Honestly, not not a lot. Um, I'm 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 quite frugal with that kind of thing. So I've got more money to like waste on alcohol and stuff like that. Actually, um, I will say, <laughs> uh, when I went to England in uh, 2013, I I bought a bunch of records there, and I think I got a good deal on them, but I probably got fucking fleeced. Because uh, the, the conversion rate, I, <laughs> yes. I didn't really know what it was. So it's like, oh, please, please me, 70 pounds. That doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> well, was it an original copy or it, a it's, reprint? It, or? it was a, a slightly later reprint, but still from 63. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather buy it and it be terrible and unplayable and, you know, just own it and be unable to play it rather than spend too much yeah, and kind of regret it later. Look I at mean, those ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, tracks.co.uk auctions of like the original. Please, please me for like six grand. That's that's like a down payment on a flat. Like I can't, I I, I can never justify that. No, I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to think it through now. It might it might be something like my copy of Wildlife. I think I paid about forty pounds. About okay. fifty-five, sixty dollars. Yeah, really not that much at all, and that's only because, you know, I was probably a little bit inebriated at the time, and I was like, oh, it's wildlife. I've got to buy it. I love every song on this album. Sod it. Oh, wildlife is tremendously underrated, and to this day, I'm 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 upset that Spotify will not allow me to listen to the McCartney uh, Wings live in in Europe '72. Uh, disc, you know. I've so still you're pro Bipbop. Oh, Denny Lane is right. It's one of the best tracks on the album, hundred percent. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't trust anything Denny Lane says. Definitely not, especially when he's being interviewed by authors that we're not going to mention on this show. Yeah. 
the uh, thing is, the more we say about this guy, uh, the more people will be able to figure it's, out. It's it, it's it's the Barbara Streisand effect, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. 100%. You know, people figure it out. It's, I just don't want any hassle. So there's a cover of Bit Bop by a guy named Patrick Zab or Zabby, uh, on his album, Agadoo-doo-doo. Oh! And it's fantastic. He's, he, he's French, isn't he? Or is yes. He, is he French, French, or French Canadian? Because I think he might. I recognize the name. Yeah, might be, might even be French Canadian. Yeah. But uh, it's it's all I sung in his, French. I know his. Uh, I got do 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 push la la emu cafe. I got do do do. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, there might be slightly different lyrics to the version of that song that was big here in the UK. That, I thought there was like a pineapple by, involved. Oh, yeah. Pineapple by Paper da, da, da. Wasn't that by Yes. Pa- yeah. The, I know that version, too. God, your knowledge is freaky. It well, we, I grew up with th- that song. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's still strange to me that there's this whole giant country to the north of America that mostly speaks French. Oh, that's, uh, that's, no. That's never, that's never made sense to we me. We don't mostly speak French. Is that? There's, okay. one, there's one province that... Quebec. Mis- Quebec. Is it? Yeah. Vive la Quebec League! They speak French and they make the rest of us try and learn French in school, but they won't learn English. Uh, isn't there isn't there like a weird fact like either the largest or second largest German speaking population is America something like that? Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It's definitely not English though. Oh no! <laughs> well, what I what 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 I call English anyway? Yeah, definitely well, not. We we speak the we speak the Queen's English, but with an American accent, pretty much. That's the best of both. Nothing could be more transatlantic, could it? Yeah. We we spell words right with the U's. So you spell colour with a U, yeah? Of course. I'm not... Oh, thank God. Okay, what, what what do you walk on to get between buildings on the, on a street? Um, the sidewalk? Oh, no, it's a path. It's a... Oh, okay. Uh, what, what's, a, what's a bubbly drink like Coca-Cola? A pop. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, oh, that's better. That's better. Well, that changes wherever you ask it on this continent. Some people say pop. Some people say soda. Some people fucking say uh, just Coke. <laughs> or you or you get the ultimate soda pop. Which oh, is, yeah. Soda pop. A rare Venn diagram of opinions there. Sounds it, like... I always love hearing it called soda pop because it makes me feel like I'm in some sort of 1940s, you know... Fallout one of those, thing. yeah, one of the, one of those pathy newsreels. Yeah. And here we have one of those Sony pop fa- fa- factories. They're making it for the boys back home. <laughs> Vera Lynn just steps out and starts singing. Oh, it was it was it was funny when Vera Lynn was mentioned on the latest episode of um, Things We Said Today for the most tenuous Beatles link. I think they've done in one of their news segments for a while, and they pointed it out, which I appreciated. Oh. We, we we all love Ken Michaels though, don't we? Oh, Ken is Ken is the goat. He really he really is. And I mean, he does rival Lawrence Juber as being like the nicest man I've ever spoken to as well, which yeah. is no mean feat. I, I I've met Lawrence Juber once, and exactly wow. once. 
See, I'm actually quite ashamed. I've never actually been to like social Beatles stuff. Um, You've never been to like, uh, Beatle Week in Liverpool. No, the cl- I mean, I, I had a, 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 I had a girlfriend, a sister, and a best friend. Three separate people. Just as a yeah. as a quick disclaimer, uh, that all went to Liverpool University, or you know, we lived in Liverpool, and you know, I've I've done all the Beatles tours, gone to all the terrible museums that have all been horrendously underwhelming. I've been to the Cavern, never bothered to go to any of the Beatles fests. The closest I had was when I went to my, uh, Mark Lewison's Hornsey Road show, where in a in a bout of massive massive egotism, I actually got recognised by a couple of people, which was oh, wow. the best feeling. It was the best feeling ever, I, genuinely. I, I wanted to see him do the uh, Abbey Road, Hornsey Road thing, but he didn't do it anywhere in North America. But I did see him do his, uh, his White Album presentation at mm. the Fest for Beatles fans in Chicago. Yes, uh, I think I've seen a, a very poorly rendered stream of that on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. But... He he really is the goat, and like and like you say, getting him on on either our shows would be a, a yeah. tremendous achievement for either of us. Really, the thing is, um, he is aware of my show. <laughs> yes. Hey, Mark, what's what's going on, bro? Mark, hey. if you're listening, and I know you are listening, you, you come on my show. Come on my show, and his show, and his show. We've made a suicide pact. That whichever blood oath. Of, yeah, whichever <laughs> one of us gets you first has to recommend the other one. Yes. No. Um. This Beatle podcasting group. It's very, uh, it's very, pl- like pleasantly incestuous. You know, everyone helps <laughs> out everyone. Um. And you know, I've, I've I'm yet to meet any true hostility, really, despite how competitive we all are to get out. You know the same content, but done slightly differently. Like I, I have anxiety as to what I'd ask Mark Lewison. Yeah. You know what could I ask this guy that isn't just oh when's volume two coming out? Oh. When I when I I got him to sign my book. Um, hold on, I'll I'll edit this out because I'm gonna go grab the book because he signed it something <laughs> quite special. Go on. It's not the first or last part. You'll, you'll, you'll have to edit it out. All right. Here it is on page 92 of the Complete Beatles recording session. You got him to sign page 92. Well, on page 92, it talks about the song Carnival of Light. Oh, of course. And, and so I, I, I plop the book down on front of, or in front of him on his table, and I just ask him to write anything he wants. And he gave me my own kind of personalized footnote. It says... Carnival of Light. Will we ever hear it? Question mark. I hope so, comma. But then, most likely, few will pay it any further attention. Mark Lewis. No, I've I've always felt like the Carnival of Light is, is like some is it, it's like just anything that you're told you're not supposed to have, you know, in that in that very childlike way. Oh, you're yeah. not supposed to have this. Oh well, I I must have it then. Please yeah. give it. Please give it to me. Even though it's just basically, from what I've heard, a shittier version of Freak Out by the Mothers of Invention. Oh, okay. That's, uh, I've just heard that it's nowhere near as good as anyone ever thinks it'll be. No. And uh, that's that's unfortunate, really, because they've left it too late now. Anthology would have been the perfect time, but yeah. I think, well, it was I think going George to be on stomped it. on it. Yeah. yeah. Avant-garde clue. 
the hey yes one with another that doesn't quite top George calling Ken Dodd a sod. Uh, that's the best George yeah. on like on on the fly comment a hundred percent. Are you uh are, were you able or even old enough to see um, Living in the Material World when that came out in cinemas? I didn't see it in uh, I didn't see it in theaters, but I did see it on TV. Oh, honestly, it was one of the only times I've ever seen a people clap at the end of a movie, which was a surreal experience. Um, you know, obviously, it wasn't like uh, Martin Scorsese was doing a Q and A Q&A session after or anything like that. Yeah, but there was the actual intermission, and I was I was able to go and get popcorn. You know, let's all go to the lobby. I was actually able to do that. Yeah. And uh, fortunately enough for me, it was actually in the very cinema that I had my lectures in. Uh, I did a film degree. Mm -hmm. And it was literally like I sat in the exact same chair where I had my lessons every day and I was able to watch George. And I probably started crying within eight seconds of of, of the reel going... It was was just impossible not to bore your eyes out of that film. Yeah, easily one of my favorites. It was a good one. Are you looking forward to get back? I I am looking forward to get back. Although I'm a little worried with get back. Uh, I'm I'm worried that uh, it'll be you know the Disneyfied, McCartneyfied version of Beatles history. That, oh, they're if, all, if, they're all... if they don't show the heroin addiction, yeah. Come on, show George walking out. Yeah, if they cut that part out, it's like they keep slagging off the uh, Michael Lindsay Hogg original, saying, like, he only showed the negative parts. It's like, I've read the transcripts from all of this (laughs) shit that was released. There's not not many good parts that show the Beatles all together as a cohesive unit. And it's because they weren't fundamentally... No, you know. it was the Paul McCartney show, and everyone else didn't want to be there. And it it's so hard, because they, they were all right, and this is the greatest challenge of a Beatles film or Netflix TV show when they eventually get around to doing it. Paul was totally in the right. The band weren't pulling their weight, they weren't doing the kind of music that the Beatles as an entity should have been doing, but also... He wasn't giving George the right respect either, and he was being "quote unquote" bossy. Yeah, um, Lennon was bored. He wasn't being challenged with a, a decent project, but he wasn't coming to the sessions with anything good either. You know, he was he was dragging up old dross from previous sessions and having Paul finish off songs for him. Ringo's you know just on drums, as we all know, and yeah. again. Uh, George, he's bringing some of the tracks that are going to be, you know, career-defining for him. But is he playing stuff that the other Beatles would ever really want to play or adhering to the Beatles' sound? Not particularly either. No. Um, Isn't it George... a pity is a great song, but I don't think it's really a Beatles song. Was that one in the Get Back Sessions? I think it was. What wasn't in the Get Back Sessions is the easier answer with the uh, All Things Must Pass album. But, George, come on, stop making us listen to slide guitar. I know that if the Beatles' 1970 and 71 albums would have been released, they would have been, you know, covered in slide guitar, but it's just not for me. I love the slide. It's 
John playing it, which I could not believe, uh, as you see in the film. But you just associate the sly guitar with George, and it's quite clearly him going, Look, John, would, will you stop doing smack for five minutes if I let you do sly guitar? <laughs> yeah, go on, George, go on. No, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, you know, it's clearly that. Yeah. John, will you take the needle out of your arms for at least 30 seconds? Have you seen the Two Junkies interview? Oh, it's, it's so cringeworthy. It's it's absolutely awful to watch. I don't know if I know it by that name, but which interview are we talking about? John is at a session in, I believe it's still in Twickenham. He's wearing his uh, big bushy um, coat and he has to pop off halfway through the interview and he's clearly in, in the midst of withdrawals. He's very thin and gaunt and skeletal. It's it's the best footage of sort of the grips of heroin addiction. You know, he was about yeah. to go cold turkey, quite literally. Don't bad, don't bad. The best version of that is the live in New York one as well. I love that cut. Live in New York or live in Toronto? Live in New York, I believe. Is that what the album's called? You know, you know the one that ends with Hound Dog. Uh, Some, the one with the blue cover or. The one with man, le- man looks up something on internet. <laughs> it's the one that ha- um, that Yoko's mic was mostly cut out of. I think that was live in New live piece in. No, no, that was that was yeah, the New you know, York one. Live in New York City, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, that's what it's called. Nineteen eighty-six, yeah, yeah, cracking album. Because there's the version on that that you see on the film where it's. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Yeah, yeah, and who wants that? Ladies but and gentlemen, the album version, that was my Yoko you know, Ono impression. It was very good. Um, no, no, it wasn't. No, um, the best Yoko Ono impression will always be, but then you become naked. That's the only one for me. That's official Beatles. I, the fact that she appeared on Beatles records is has shows such gall from John. Yeah, that's great. And when uh, he looks out it, is mommy battered in? It looks calculated. Would have been us instead of him. Oh, that's see, that's one of those songs that I don't particularly like from the White Hour, but I couldn't imagine it ever being taken off. Even yeah. if I was doing a single disc version, mm-hmm. I'd still have to leave the continuing story of Bungalow it, Bill on. It's essential. Mm. There are so many Same of those thing, Beatle tracks. Like Bungalow Bill. Oh no, that no, I mean Rocky Raccoon. I'm not a big fan of Rocky Raccoon, but it Carefully, needs to be on the White Careful. Hour. Careful, my boy. That's a very good song you're talking about there. Oh, careful there, son. Careful there, son. No, uh, see, this is one of the things I've always found with Paul. All of the parts of his career that everyone seems to hate on, like his music and granny music and yeah. being weird and experimental. The 80s in general. Yeah, and, and the 80s in general. They're like all of my favourite bits. And I know a lot of that is my innate hipster contrarianism, yeah. where I just like to annoy Ken Michaels. But <laughs> um, a lot of it is... Is that is, your sole goal in life? 
No, I, when I had him on the show, it was to talk about Press to Play and Flowers in the Dirt, his second and first favourite albums. And the plan was just to go against everything he said. And, you know, part of it is my overexposure to these albums. You know, I listened to the album pretty much non-stop for about a month or two before each episode. But also, you know, Ken's a very charming motherfucker. And he's able to convince you so thoroughly that this music is good, you know, like <laughs> so, so many times I've, I've, I've tried to outthink him and come up with this essay as to why a song might, oh, might be good okay. or bad. And he'll just go, Dangerous roads. well, Sam, um, I guess you're just overthinking it. And like, he'll just completely <laughs> dismantle me in two seconds. I'm like, damn, I don't know how he did that. Jedi mind trick. Jedi mind trick. Definitely. But that's because he's been in the game. Longer than any of us, you Since know. Like 1982. Like long before either of us was a sperm in our daddy's sack. He's pre Jurassic Park. Like that's the era for me. You know, there's yeah. there's there's the pre 9/11 world, the pre Jurassic Park world. You know, these are these these are the important defining years of our culture. Massive shout out to Ken. Um, I've got an episode of my, my I flowers and dirt. Massive one. shout out to Jurassic Park. Massive, massive shout out to Michael Crichton, Steven Spielberg, and John Hammond, the big three. That that would be my the Mount fab, Rushmore. The Fab Three. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then chuck on the T Rex for the fourth one. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I actually watched that on Netflix today. I still don't understand how the CGI in that film looks better than most films today. Well. That's because they used the CGI sparingly. It's the Beatles of movies for me, you know. That will, that, that will last forever, 100%. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I only watched Jurassic Park for the first time, like, a couple years ago. And I, I liked it. I've got something that you might not have ever heard of before, Ethan. It's called a video. And oh, it's a video of <laughs> it's a video of Jurassic Park, and it is more valuable to me than most of my long term friendships. <laughs> it is, it is, and it, and the trailers on that video take me back to a very special time in my life, and I can quote that entire movie, same as you know things like Lord of the Rings or Wizard of Oz, those those uh, classics. What um you know what? Speaking of movies, what's your favorite Beatle film? Help. Easily. Oh, what? Oh, it's the worst. I know. One. I knew you didn't like it very much, but that's my that's my honest answer. I it's like it I like, than I, a I like films night. first. I like films first, Ethan. You know, and it's not a good film whatsoever. It's you know what? It's a lot more fun than watching a hard day's night. I love a hard day's night. It's a very 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 close second, but I always find myself enjoying myself more while watching help and to me that's that's what it comes down to ethan if you've learned nothing from making content it's that it's not to in, enjoy for yourself but it's to learn facts and feel superior to other people in conversation you know oh oh uh, you oh you you haven't seen a hard day's night the the uh, cinematography from dick lester is just absolutely brilliant you know and that's why you watch it not because you personally enjoy something no, yeah cer certainly not no, but it's in help. I think, you know, the scene you got or you're going to lose that girl is one of the best shot Beatles related things ever. 
No, the ticket to ride bit shot better. No, I mean with the lighting and the, you know, atmosphere and the cigarette smoke and the, you know, purple and blue lights. I I can't get fucking enough of it. And you're going to compare that to like, I, sh- I should have known better on the train, you know? Come on, it's, there's there's just no comparison, and unfortunately, helps a little bit problematic as well. Yeah, like it's not it's not going to survive Plot the test wise. of time. Yes, uh, it's oh no, it's people from over there. Yeah, Whoa, look out, they're not us. Yeah, it's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit racist. Yeah, it yeah. Uh, like yeah, it 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 just doesn't work. Um, I, I I know again, sounding very controversial. It's got to be Let It Be for me because it's the oh, only one where we see the you. Beatles. It's the one with the Beatles in it. It's not the cartoon Beatles or the movie Beatles. It's the Beatles. It's that be. movie is so boring. I had to. It took me about three or four times trying to watch it before I even made it to the rooftop bit. See, that was me with help. I couldn't. I couldn't get past. The first half of that movie, I had to, I had to literally sit down with someone else to make me finish it. Let it be fantastic, like, I mean, I'm I'm big on my Schadenfreunde. I'm like, oh, I'm watching the greatest band ever, bitch. Great, you know, it's 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 one of those times where like you realise, you know, the Pope goes to the toilet as well. Yeah. Oh. Paul McCartney also has a poo every now and then. He's not he's not magic, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever um, seen the uh, Peter Serafinowitz Rinko Remembers? Where they're all, yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm saying we don't need to go to the toilet. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. All right, maybe we do need to go to the toilet. Are you absolutely burst in love? Well, I mean... In, in in most of the history books, the Beatles only ever went to the toilet to go smoke a joint away from George Martin anyway. Yeah. I mean, I can't I can't believe they weren't rich and powerful enough just to go, look, George, it's just called grass, get over it. Yeah, George, you know, just be cool, man. Be cool. Look, lads, uh, I'm not I'm not very happy with this grass you're smoking in the in the studio. The old Mary Jane. It doesn't sound new to me. Have you seen the pictures of the uh EMI uh, toilet paper. EMI toilet paper? It went up for auction. Like, oh, EMI were that. so cheap, it was like single-ply toilet paper with the EMI logo plastered all over it. Oh, you could just imagine George Harrison writing a really bitter song called I Have to Fold It Three Times, you know, three-ply, something, <laughs> something like that. There's a reason why All Things Must Pass has three oh discs. God. <laughs> well, a lot of things should have passed, but I had to hold it in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fixing a hole, but not the one you think of. <laughs> I'm oh gonna God. I'm gonna ask you another question because I think I've it's se- been about I think, four. I, 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 I think we're on to the second question now. Yeah, we're doing well. Yeah, we're doing well. It's been about four hours since I asked you the last one. What do the Beatles mean to you? Oh, it means having a band that I feel like uh, I can actually engage with. Um, for someone who hosts a music podcast, I don't actually listen to an awful lot of new music. Um, you know on Spotify you've got your um, 
most uh, top recently listened to playlist that it automatically gen- generates for you. Yeah. Uh, whenever I get an, a new one of them every six months, half of the songs can be found on the previous one. <laughs> there's there's really not a lot of, uh, you know, leeway there. Like, you know, oh, oh, there might be a Mary Hopkins song that wasn't on the last one. Um, What's your favorite Mary Hopkins song? The only one I've heard, uh, which... <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, oh. I've heard Come and Get It as well, but there are covers of that that are actually better. She um, did Come and Get It? I believe she did, yeah. Oh, no. Or did she? Or was it was that bad? Or was it Bad Finger? That's Bad Finger. Oh, please cut that out. Please, Ethan. I beg of you. I beg of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. This is, this is where the power play comes in, folks. Um, like, there's nothing better. My dear not... child, I wield the editing tools. No, uh, I'm not going to name names or anything, but when you find out stuff about certain podcasters, when you get deep in the social circle, you're like, my God, if I was a bad person, I could just use this information horrendously, you know. You have to be a, a strong man, you know, not Mal Evans and writing a book that gets you killed. Yeah. Do you think Mal Evans was assassinated? Um. In conversation, I always say yes because that's the most interesting conversation, isn't it? Yeah. You know, he's 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 got a book called you know I was in an orgy with George or something like that. It must have been really salacious because again, I know that there have been a lot of um, like uh, on your Ken Michaels episode, for example, you were talking about how the the salacious and kind of more lurid stories of the Beatles for, for a lot of people aren't that particularly interesting. I've got enough self-confidence to admit that I'm not that kind of guy. I love those kind of stories. Oh, I, I do too. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like, I love finding out stories about I like whether, the gossip. Yeah, you know, what's happening with Beatrice? I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to get this show taken off the air, but, you know, I love finding out what's going on with Paul's kids and or, find, we'll, or finding out what we'll songs discuss, are written about who. We'll, or... we'll discuss further once the thing stops rolling, but I want to hear your takes on these. Of course, you know, yeah. um, is it, is it, you know, there's just so much to, like, dig into. Did Yoko get Paul uh done at the japanese airport i'll I'll say she did and i won't even edit that out i it it, a lot of it depends on your preconceptions about yoko as a person i the thing is i i dislike yoko but not for the same reasons as everyone else they're like oh she broke up the beatles Like that? No, it, no. It's give gives Julian the letters back. Yeah, it's she or, was a manipulative uh, word that I won't say. Who no, destroyed or, the relationship with Julian Lennon? Um, well, no. Like I mean, John and John, John and George. John and George were going to do a session together during Venus and Mars after a toot and a snort in in seventy four. John and Paul. Yeah, they, they they had arranged it, and then John gets uh, John is put back together with Yoko after mostly by Paul. Yeah, after the uh, trip May with May Pang, and uh, yeah, well, I was going to uh, say May Pang uh, tried to mend the relationship with Julian by you know sending John and them to Disneyland and stuff, and trying to make John be a father. And Yoko Ono, you know, as a child of some of. A father who had a relationship with a girlfriend for 10 years who wasn't particularly nice to my brother or I Mm. and was quite emotionally manipulative. 
I I can uh, I can't see past that for Yoko Ono because uh, it hits too deep. I get that, and like I've got nothing against Yoko as an artist. Um, yeah. g- going into her songbook is going to be something that I'm actually genuinely quite interested in, and yeah. I'm some always of her willing songs to. Aren't as bad as some people say. Like on Double Fantasy, I I, I do quite like Kiss Kiss Kiss. Yes, I like That's Walking on Thin Ice. She had the song called Helen Paradise, which I don't think is terrible. But then you've just got the the Chuck Berry clip, and yeah. it all just goes out the window. You've seen the Bill Burr. Uh, oh, that's one of my like. Bill Burr is known for trashing Star Wars, and that clip of Yoko Ono in yeah. my in, in my book. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, he calls her a very strong word as well. That not even Paul called it in the Let It Be tapes, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, although speaking of Yoko, um, I really do hope they include the footage of her and the guys jamming after George left the band. That's a that's a very cool bit of Beatles history. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, but um, yeah, going back to her getting Paul done, it depends on how you perceive her. Mm-hmm. Um, would she be willing to? I mean, yes. she must know that nothing serious was going to come of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul oh, being I think, Paul. I think, I think she did it 100%. Oh, it would be crazy if something came out, like, you know, a deathbed confession or something like that. Not we, from Yoko, but from one of the cops or something. We might, yes, I planted we the mad hear, cush in Paul's bag. We might hear in the future from Mr. Redacted. Uh because he said he's got some stuff on Yoko. He said on my show he's got some stuff on Yoko. I know, I was listening to stuff. your show. And I was like, what? Yeah, and uh, I've definitely got to have him back on while he's still interested. Uh, he's even offered me some lucrative voiceover work to uh, narrate one of his books, which I was a bit taken aback by. Uh, oh. Money's money, but I'm not sure if I want to sell out quite that bad yeah. <laughs> just yet. I mean, I, ha- I haven't even put ads on my podcast yet, let-, let alone sold my soul to the devil, you know? Speaking of ads, this episode of Fans on the Run is sponsored by no one. You've not got Audible or no. uh, Dollar Shave Club or... Uh, me on Blue, a- Blue Apron, no. Uh, no. Fleshlight? Fleshlight's a good <laughs> one to get uh, early on. Yeah. One day, one day. That'll be the weirdest podcast That'll be the ever. day. Yeah, def- Welcome definitely. where we talk about the weird, esoteric aspects of Beatles history. Sponsored by AdamandEve.com. The inner fleshlight could be good. That's 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 in my favorite. Like, if someone asks you a Beatles song, what's your favorite, and you want to just throw a song that they won't know? Oh, the Inner Light. Never heard of that one. I know you haven't. I know yeah. you haven't. Because most fans haven't. Right now, we're at about an hour and thirty minutes into the thing, so I will just uh, wrap it up. You know, mm-hmm. wait. You just you'll have to continue listening in part two. So, thank you for listening. You can go home now. But come back. Please do. Please do. We'll see you then.
Fans on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillip. This has been a Showtown production.